Datology Coach Podcast Substack Edition. That's the new title. I like it. It sort of, it just rolls off the tongue. I'll kick things off by talking about a little bit of business. For the fourth time in a month, I've been banned from posting on TikTok. If you follow me on Instagram, then you know that I uploaded the video that violated the community guidelines. It was innocuous. It was about a guy who met a woman on Bumble who insisted they have their first date at Olive Garden because she was married and she didn't want anyone to see her and she didn't want to get caught cheating on her husband. I responded to it and said, this is a great litmus test. This is a great potential red flag to look out for. It got flagged for sexuality and nudity. And understand that people aren't flagging these. They're not even getting through the processing stage uh, after I upload it. From watching a few other TikToks, it appears as though videos get flagged if a woman's showing too much cleavage and I happen to be wearing a tank top in that video. All of this is just, it's reaffirming my gut suspicion that TikTok is not where I'm supposed to be. And as you know, I rely heavily on my intuition. So while I'm still going to be posting there, I'm definitely not going to be posting there as regularly as I once did. I'm going to rely more on my Substack on my new YouTube channel and this podcast. I'm probably going to be uploading more individual 15-minute quickie podcast episodes. You're welcome to follow me on YouTube. You're welcome to follow me on my Substack. If you follow me on any sort of social media, the link in my bio will take you to where you need to go in order to subscribe to these other channels. Now that we've got that out of the way, Let's talk about men, attachment, and sex. So the general belief that's out there is that men don't get attached after sex. Only women get attached after sex. That's very, that's very convenient. And when we talk about this, of course, what's always mentioned is oxytocin. Men and women both produce oxytocin. Oxytocin is an important part of the bonding process of, of helping people form attachments. It also plays a role in childbirth and lactation. Oxytocin uh, stimulates contractions of the uterus, and it also is a natural pain reliever, which is why it's so important for childbirth. Women obviously produce more oxytocin than men because men don't give birth. But what's never talked about is the other hormone involved in attachment, and that's called vasopressin. Now, what's really interesting about this is there's some conflicting information out there. Anthropologist Helen Fisher, who also has a PhD, who works a lot with Match.com and has spent many, many years studying the science of attraction and love, states that vasopressin rises after orgasm. Whereas Don Maislar, a biologist who also has studied the science of love, says that vasopressin drops after orgasm. Now, this is a very big inconsistency. This is a very important contradiction. Because one implies that men do have the potential to get attached after sex, and the other denies it. I watched a great YouTube video by a dating coach called uh, named Mark Rosenfeld, and he was talking about why some men lose interest after sex. And he said that he believed that if there was a non-physical connection before two people had sex, and by non-physical meaning there was an interest beyond sex, that the guy isn't going to lose interest after sex. In fact, he also states that men get a surge of vasopressin at orgasm and that that 
facilitates attachment. He said the thing that makes a lot of men lose interest after sex is when women's self-confidence shifts. And he cites the shame that society puts on women for having casual sex or having sex recreationally. He went on to explain that a lot of times after sex, women who were previously confident about their choice to have sex and seemed independent suddenly became very overly analytical and clingy or needy. Now, I don't like blaming women. You know how I feel about that. I don't like blaming women for why men for men's bad behavior. But I, I, I think there's some truth to this. You know, I've never really believed in the in the theory that you can catch feelings. You know, I see a lot of that on TikTok where some coaches will say, Well, women fall in love through sex. No, they don't. That that intense emotion was there before sex. As I've stated and backed up with evidence from neuroscientists, oxytocin only intensifies a pre-existing connection or bond. And vasopressin, vasopressin is produced in the arousal stage of men, and it's, it's not produced based on how he feels about that woman. Vasopressin and testosterone together are what drive a man to want to be with a woman, physically, sexually, emotionally, whatever. So there are hormones at work that compel a man or encourage a man to become more attached to women after sex and even before sex. And this is the reason why some people say men fall in love before sex because of all that vasopressin that's driving them to spend more time with her. I think a lot of times when women say that they caught feelings accidentally, that it's not... That doesn't happen. Like the, the, the possibility, the propensity for those feelings were already there. It's not the sex that made you fall for them. It's just that the sex is what allowed you to acknowledge them. Because either women jump into these casual situations truly believing, I'm okay with this. I can have sex without commitment. Only to realize once they're faced with that situation that they can't do it. Or they go along with it hoping that the guy is going to change. So it's not that they caught feelings, it's that they finally acknowledged those feelings. I also see a lot of talk about how women need to make sure men maintain these high levels of testosterone and vasopressin, and that when those levels drop, that's when they lose interest. That's a falsehood too, because you might keep a guy waiting and you might be holding out for a certain number of dates with the intention of him getting to know you better and you getting to know him better and hoping that once he gets to know you, he's less likely to ghost. But the problem with that theory is that more than likely those guys are going home and they're masturbating. So those levels of vasopressin and testosterone, they're dropping. So as you can probably tell, the levels dropping have nothing to do with whether a man loses interest or not. Because obviously, if a guy's gone out on two or three dates and they haven't had sex yet and they go home and they masturbate, they're still going to want to see you. Just like after sex, when the testosterone and the vasopressin do finally drop, they may not want to have sex right away because f just physically they can't. That doesn't mean they've lost interest in you. And if they have, that's not a physiological response. 
that's a psychological response. That means that there probably wasn't a non-physical connection before the sex. So if the concern is not wanting to get ghosted after sex, be on the lookout for signs that this person is showing genuine and sincere interest in getting to know you outside of the bedroom. Do they show sincere interest in, in finding out what makes you tick? And remember what we said, you know, people who are emotionally unavailable, they show no interest in things like that. Watch out for signs that everything revolves around them, their needs, their time frame, their schedule, their desires. If that's the case, there's probably not a non-physical connection and they're more than likely either going to ghost or just be a terrible partner. Are they asking questions? Are they showing interest in learning your story? That's the real, that's what you, that's the real green flag. Do they want to hear your story? If they show no interest in that and only show interest in telling you their story, they're toxic. They're emotionally unavailable or they're just in it for the sex. Okay. Now let's talk about another TikTok that I saw this week that I really liked. This is from the creator Asian Bimbo 69. What being a real estate agent for eight months taught me about vetting and dating. Do these two topics not sound related to you? But I promise you, all the lessons I learned about dating, all the mentality that I have about vetting guys, it was due to the eight month period when I was a real estate agent. Because dating is a sales job. In order to find a good guy, you have to generate enough leads. And of those leads, you have to vet through to find the ones that are ready to buy today. And vet out the ones that are just trying to waste your time. If you don't implement standards to vet out these time wasters, they're going to infiltrate your life, your time. They're going to get you fired for not meeting your quota and commissions. And when you don't put in the time to generate the leads in the beginning, you're going to get desperate. You're going to be like, this lead is my only hope. I'll just take them all around town. I'll show them 50 homes. I'll beg this dusty guy to stay. I'll split the bills with him. Then he'll get married to me. Then he'll buy the house. Mm -mm, it doesn't work that way. I went from being all these clients' lapdogs to doing whatever they said and making $0 a month to the last four months of me being a real estate agent. I was the number five performing agent in my entire agency, making over 10 k a year in commission. I was so good at vetting my leads over the phone that almost every single lead that I took out rented or bought a home within 24 to 48 hours after I took them out. I was like, why am I wasting my time taking this one client around who's not ready to buy? When I can go out Saturday night to a crowded bar or restaurant and accidentally lose 200 of my business cards by accident in the bathroom stalls, on the floor, at the bar top, and just go around handing them out. Why would I waste my time with someone who's not ready to rent or buy? When in every cab or Uber I took, I give out a stack of 50 of my business cards and plead with these drivers that I'm not doing well. I'm a new real estate agent. Please pass these out to your passengers. Was it embarrassing being the woman who goes around <laughs> around every person that I come across and try to hand out my business cards? Yes. However, it was less embarrassing than going out for 12 hours with a client and having them not buy anything. How did I have such a high hit rate? Why did almost every single person I take out buy or rent something? Because I was a huge on the phone with them. Before even I met with them, I spent 30 minutes to an hour on the phone vetting them. I gave them facts, median selling price, other neighborhoods they were looking in, 
If they tried to argue back with me, or I could just sense they were difficult and weren't gonna listen to me, I passed them off to another agent in my office because I had too many leads to know what to do with from being an embarrassment and passing out hundreds of my business cards a day. Because I generated such high number of leads, I didn't care about offending any one of them. And I was ruthless in that 30 minutes to an hour on the phone with them. If they wouldn't come meet me with their tax returns in hand, showing proof of income, bank statements showing they have their deposit ready. So a lot of her videos are a little problematic, but I actually really admire this. What she's saying is to vet people in a more organized way and focus more on the vetting and not stick around for people who aren't meeting the criteria you have set for yourself in dating. And I think this is really important. Everybody needs to know what their non-negotiables are. And I'm not just talking about, well, they can't be smokers and you know they can't have never been married. I'm talking about did they fill out their profile correctly? Do they ask me any questions about me? Do they say anything disparaging about previous relationships? Have your non-negotiables for the basics, for the basic stats. You know, oh, they can't have cats. Oh, they can't be smokers. Oh, they should be vegan. But then dig a little deeper into core values. What must they have? What core values must you be able to get a sense of either in their profile in the first few conversations? And it's going to be hard to do that over messaging. So, you know, you, you might actually have to put in one or two dates with somebody. This idea that you're going to glean everything you need to glean in, in, in the, either just their profile or just through their messages. I, I think people who think that way really just need to admit that they're sabotaging themselves and they don't really want a relationship. They're just looking for reasons to reject people. So you have your basic non-negotiables. You have your core value non-negotiables. And then you have what I will call like the behavioral non-negotiables. Are they meeting you halfway? Are they matching your energy? Are they following up or following through on what they say? This is the list you need to compile for yourself so that you can use it to vet potential matches. And if they don't give you the answers that you want, if they don't seem ready or truly interested in a, in a substantive connection, be willing to cut them out. And that's, that's what's so important. So before you start swiping again, really sit down. Think of this as a homework assignment. Sit down and write out what your vetting list is going to look like. What, what, what are the basic non-negotiables? What are the core value non-negotiables? And what's the behavioral non-negotiables? And use them for every person that you match with. And this is the other reason too why you shouldn't be matching. I don't think you should be matching with more than say two or three people because that's just gonna take up all your time and you're not gonna properly vet people. And you're potentially going to let some good matches fall to the wayside because you're focusing on the wrong matches. Make a couple matches, have that vetting list, apply it to each person. And yeah, it might mean that you weed out a lot of people and you don't have any dates for like two, three weeks or a month, but better to have one really solid lead than four or five dead leads that go nowhere. If you've got a question, 
Please, datologycoach.com, click the Submit a Dating Question tab on the nav bar. Like I said, I'm going to be pulling back from TikTok a bit, so please follow me on Substack. Follow us on Patreon if you want to hear our weekly podcast, our full-length podcast, patreon.com slash datologypod. It's $5 a month. You get about four or five full-length episodes. And of course, you can follow me on TikTok at datologycoach. Since I am going to be pulling back from TikTok, we really do need questions for the podcast, so please send us your questions. For everybody that submits a question, gets a 30-day free subscription to the Substack. Now, the Substack subscribers, there's the free newsletter. The paid subscribers also get a separate weekly podcast. So if you submit a question, you get a 30-day free membership to the paid subscriber of paid Substack newsletter, and you'll be able to hear the weekly full-length podcasts. Thank you for your support. If you have any feedback to this, I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments. I'm posting this on Substack. I'm also posting this on on, uh, SoundCloud. Or just shoot me an email. Hello at datologycoach.com.